How can you defend a position you believe blindly or never truly even studied? Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses are not Christians. They believe in an entirely different Jesus, a Jesus that doesn't save. Is your life meaningless and purposeless? Ask Bertrand Russell. He says our existence is pitiless indifference. Our children being in a Christian home make them no more a Christian than them standing in the garage makes them a car. They need to hear the gospel and receive the gift of salvation personally. Welcome to Contending for Christ Apologetics, where we contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Contending for Christ Apologetics. You see, a while back, my wife asked me to do a word study to see if Christians are... Are we supposed to give 10% of our income to the church? In other words, it, is tithing and a biblical New Testament command? And as a good husband, obviously, I listened to her and began studying the topic of tithing, you know, because I don't want to sleep with one eye open. I want to make sure that anything my wife says and asks me to do, I do it, and I do it for you, babe. So, but what I'm hoping with this podcast episode, what I'm praying for, is the fact that this is probably one of the most biblically and exegetically explained teachings of the issue of tithing. That you may have come across. Feel free to let me know in the comments, you know, after this episode and you hear all this on your thoughts and whether or not, you know, if any of this has helped shed light on the topic of tithing. So I'm going to be going through my results in this episode, but I just know right away, know up front that my study led me to a particular conclusion. I got my energy water here, so you might hear me get a drink or two. But what is this conclusion? Well, right off the bat, the bluff, the bottom line up front, tithing was never of money. It was never of gold, silver, gems, spoils of war. Tithing, it was only binding upon the nation of Israel under the Mosaic Law, under the Mosaic Covenant. The few references for a tenth or a tithe before the law were voluntarily given and not even mandatory or not even obligatory. And then even the New Testament teaches that Christians are not mandated to tithe, but Christians are to give voluntarily and cheerfully. And we're going to talk about that in the end. So for this, for this study, let's get into the meat of it. While I have a video on YouTube about how to do a topical study using openbible.info, I didn't go this route when I actually did the study on tithing. I actually was heavily in the lexicon. I wanted to see what the various different Greek and Hebrew words were used for tithing or a tenth. And what I found out was in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, there were two different Hebrew words for tithe or tithing. One of them was maseer, and the other was aseer. Maseer was used 32 times in the Old Testament, whereas aseer was used nine times. Whereas maseer is a noun, aseer is a verb. So 32 times in the Old Testament, a tithe is referenced while nine times a tithe is seen as an action. So let's jump into the Old Testament first and really look at this. So Maseir. First, what does it mean? It means a tenth of a part, a tenth part. And the words actually used in Genesis 14.20, Leviticus 27.30-32, Numbers 18.21, 24.26-28, Deuteronomy 12 and 6, 11, 17, 
Deuteronomy 14:23 and 28, Deuteronomy 26:12, Second Chronicles 31:5 and 6 and 12, Nehemiah 10:37 through 38, Nehemiah 12:44, Nehemiah 13:5 and 12, Ezekiel 45:11 and 14, Amos 4:4 4, 4, and Malachi 3:8 and 10. So out of the 32 times it's referenced as a noun and nine times it's referenced as an action, those are the passages we're going to be looking at. So let's briefly examine them. And like I said, this is the result of a study that I have done on tithing. Let's see what God reveals about the tithe, the tithe, the noun, or actually in the Hebrew, the maseer. In Genesis chapter 14, verse number 20. We see the first instance of this Hebrew word. Abraham voluntarily gives a tithe to Melchizedek. Melchizedek was the priest, was the king of an area known as Salem. This occurred prior to Israel being a nation and before any commandment was ever found for the giving or the offering of, of a tithe. I mean, Abraham had no obligation to do this. Abraham willingly and volitionally gave a tithe to this person. And this was regarded as a very honorable thing that Abraham did, even referenced in the New Testament. Leviticus chapter 27, verses 30 through 32. Here it explains the requirement since the establishment of the Mosaic law upon Mount Sinai. The requirement really that Israel is to tithe of the seed of the land, the fruit of the tree, the herd, and the flock. And that every tent that passes under the rod into the pen was to be marked by the shepherd for a tithe. Leviticus even reveals the fact that an individual can redeem or even buy back a tithe, but in redeeming back a tithe, a fifth would be added to the cost. Numbers chapter 18, verse 21, 24, 26, 28. These references the tithe as God giving to the Levites. Since all of the tribes of Israel, the tribe of Levi had no land from God. All the other tribes of Israel received land. God had established that the tribe of Levi, the tribe of Levi, the tribe of Levi would receive a tenth or the tithe of the land. God's providence, God's provision for this tribe. The whole book of Numbers is about numbering the different tribes and them receiving their parcels of land and a couple other historical accounts found within. Deuteronomy, this word is used in a few different places in a couple different contexts. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 6, 11, 17, chapter 14, 23, and 28. Each of these areas, it reveals a bringing of the offerings, a bringing of the vows, the tithe, and the processing of it. This is simply just a historical account of them being brought. In 14, 28, there was actually a three-year tithe in which Israel was to gather on the third year, the past year's worth of tithe, and bring it to the altar, bring it to the temple or the tabernacle. And it was actually considered the year of tithing, or the year of the tithe, every third year. But what's interesting, again, is in chapter 12, verse 17, and chapter 14, verse 23, that the tithe is referenced as of grain, wine, oil, or animals of the flock, not of finances, not of gold, silver, gems, whatever the case is. Deuteronomy 26, verse 12, it builds upon the command of Deuteronomy 14, 18, that when the Jews tithed in the third year, the year of the tithe, and had given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widows, 
that once they had done that, they can say that they have obeyed the Lord in tithing. And it's interesting that in this year of tithing, it also went to strangers, foreigners, and even transients in the land of Israel, showing the grace of God, God's grace, God's mercy, God's provision, even for the strangers in their land in the Old Testament, a loving Old Testament God. Second Chronicles chapter 31, verse 5, 6, and 12. This passage is really a reference to the Jewish people to bring their tithes of all the things which included oxen and sheep. And in Nehemiah's time, Nehemiah chapter 10, verses 37 and 38, the tithe of the ground, which was the produce and the harvest, was actually brought to Nehemiah upon the rebuilding of the temple and upon the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. In chapter 13, verses 5 and 12, it explains there was a storeroom, there was a storehouse that the tithe officers were to place the tithe of corn, new wine, and oil in. Even in Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 44, it reveals that there were certain people that were appointed as tithe officers, and the tithe officers were to retrieve of the tithe from the people and then to place it into the storehouse or the storeroom. Ezekiel 45, 11 and 14, the tithe is translated as a tenth, and it's only really used here in this passage to indicate a unit of measurement of the omer that the people were to bring. Amos chapter 4, verse 4, the word here, maser, again is just translated as a tenth, and is really just a value of the amount of spoils of war. It's in reference to a tenth of the spoils of war. And then finally, in Malachi's reference in chapter 3, verse 8 and 10, it's God's condemnation, it's God's rebuke of the Jewish people, the Israelites, for not tithing according to the Mosaic law. In verse 10, God reveals again that the tithe was in form of livestock, of grain, of harvest, not of financial sustenance. You see, these are all the references of the noun in the Hebrew Maseer of tithe. And when we look at the passages for Aseer, we're going to summarize the Old Testament teaching of tithing through this word study, and then we're going to jump into the New Testament. But like we said before, aser, which is the verb, is used nine times in the Old Testament. And when we translate this verb, it means to tithe, to take a tenth part, to give a tithe. So in essence, it really just reveals a requirement to give a tithe or a tenth part based upon the Mosaic law. Aser is used in Genesis 28-22, Deuteronomy 14-22, 26-12, 1 Samuel 8, 15, and 17, and Nehemiah 10, 37 through 38. In Genesis 28, 22, like Abraham and Melchizedek, this was prior to the Mosaic laws giving during Moses' day. And it was not obligatory or a command to Israel or Jewish people yet. After Jacob's dream here in Genesis chapter 28, and God's promise of fulfilling the Abrahamic seed covenant and the land covenant through Jacob, Jacob promises God that he would give a tithe or a tenth of all God gave him back to God. Like I said, again, this was like Abraham willingly and volitionally offered prior to any type of requirement or command. Deuteronomy chapter 14, 22. Once Moses came down from Mount Sinai and is reading the commandments in the Mosaic law to the Israelites, this is the part. This is the Israelites were commanded to tithe at this point of all the increase of the seed that the field produces each year. 
So Deuteronomy really gets the idea of the Mosaic Covenant. It really talks about the if you do this, then I will bless you as God this way. If you don't do this and you disobey, you will incur God's judgment this way. It talks about all the other laws, how God wants the nation of Israel under a theocratic society and system on how they are to go ahead and operate and function as a people. Deuteronomy 26.12 Again, this references the year of the tithe or the year of tithing. And upon completion of giving it to the Levites, the strangers, fatherless, and widows, again, they could rightfully say that they have obeyed the Lord in the tithing. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 15 and 17 explains the responsibilities of the king of Israel in that they will take a tenth part of the seed, vineyards, and sheep and give to the officers and the servants. Nehemiah chapter 10, 37 and 38 again references upon the restoration of the city of Jerusalem, the rebuilding of the walls, the rebuilding of the temple, that the Israelites are required to tithe of the ground to the Levites. So those are all the Old Testament references in the Hebrew word maser and aser of tithe and tenth. And when we look at all these references of tithing and the action of tithing in the Old Testament, there's a few things that we can really understand and see. First, with the exception of the two references by Abraham and Jacob, all other occurrences of tithing were actually in response to the Mosaic Law, and they were only seen as binding upon Israel under the Mosaic Covenant. The reference of tithing by Abraham and Jacob are seen as free will given, volitionally, never commanded. Abraham was not commanded to give a tithe. Jacob was not commanded to give a tithe as well. These were volitionally given by grace. And in Jacob's case, it was an it was a promise to tithe. We don't see Jacob tithing then. It was simply a promise to actually tithe. Second thing we actually see is that even though Israel did have money, like I said, in the form of gold, silver, gems from war, and even blessings that God had given, never did God ever command the people to give tithes in that form. The tithe was only ever the produce of the land, such as the corn, the grain, the oil, the wine, the livestock. And the tithe that Israel was given was to be given to the tribe of Levi again, since out of the 12 tribes of Israel, they did not receive a plot of land upon Joshua's conquest. It was due to their service as a priestly tribe that the tithes were to be also given not only to the temple or the tabernacle, but also to the tribe of Levi. The Old Testament tithe also appears to be a giving back to God what God had provided, revealing an Israelite recognition that all they received came from God and their dependence upon God. And then don't forget that there was an ability to redeem or buy back a tithe, in which if someone wanted to buy back their tithe, they would have to pay a fifth extra on top of it. So that's everything about the Old Testament and the topic of tithing. But we're not living in the Old Testament. We're living in the New Testament. What does it say in the New Testament about the tithe. What does it say about a Christian's requirement to tithe? And this is where we're going to see a lot of very interesting things. You see, in the New Testament, the tenth, or some form of the word tithe, is used 13 times with four, four different Greek words. And really, of these four Greek words, two of them are adjectives and two of them are verbs. The four Greek words that are actually used are Decatas, decate, decatao, and apodecatao. So 
If you want to learn Greek, go to Blue Letter Bible, hit the play button next to the word in the lexicon, you'll learn how to say it. Dekatos, dekate, dekatao, and apatekatao. You see, dekatos was used three times, and it's only referenced as a number, such as the tenth hour, or a tenth part of the city fell, or the tenth gem seen in Revelation 21. So because of all that, we're not going to dive into that particular word, the dekatos. We're only going to focus on the remaining three Greek words. The other adjective is dekate, which is used four times in the New Testament, while the verbs dekatao and apadekatao are used two times or four times respectively. But in this verse, what we're going to see is we're going to see in dekatao, Matthew 23:23, Luke 11:42, Luke 18:12, and then Hebrews 7:2:4:5:6:8:9. We're going to see dekatao, apadekatao, and dekate. We're going to see those words in those passages. Right off the bat, when we're looking at, they're found in Matthew, Luke, and Hebrews, something quite interesting should be sticking out to you in your mind. There are zero references to tithe in any Gentile letter. The only letter or epistle where a form of tithe is used is actually used in the book of Hebrews written to the Hebrews. And if you understand the intent behind the epistle to the Hebrews, it's quite telling about why. And even then, in the book of Hebrews, it's only used in one particular chapter. So, but first, decate is seen in Hebrews 7, 2, 4, 8, and 9. And like we already talked about, this is the adjective form of the word tithe, and it means a tenth part of everything. So, in Hebrews 7, all references to this tithe were actually in relationship with Abraham's voluntarily giving of the tithe to the priest king of Melchizedek. And this was even though it was prior to the tribe of Levi, prior to the command to give tithes, Abraham still gave. Melchizedek was blessed by Abraham in his faith, in his recognition of who Melchizedek was. The passage actually mentions how Abraham gave a tithe to this priest, King of Salem, because he recognized he was a man of God. It was before any command to tithe. And additionally, Hebrews even mentions how the Levitical priests are obligated under the law to receive tithes of the people, that is, their brethren. And so, Decate. In this passage, as an adjective, it's only referenced in reference to Abraham and Melchizedek. The Greek word dekatao is used two times, and it means to exact or receive a tenth part. And again, this verb is only again used in Hebrews, chapter 7, verses 6 and 9. And both times again, it's used in reference to the Abraham and Melchizedek relationship and the superiority of Melchizedek in his receiving Abraham's tithes by Abraham's choice. Nothing in this is prescriptive. It is only descriptive, and that's going to be very interesting. That's going to be very key. The third and final Greek word used in the New Testament for tithe that we're looking at, and period, the only other one that's used is apodekatao. It's actually used four times, and it means to give, pay, exact, or receive a tenth part of anything. It's used three times in the gospel, and one time in, guess, yep, the book of Hebrews. In Matthew 20, 23, 23, and Luke eleven forty two, 42, those are parallel passages. And it's actually in those passages that Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees on the fact that he's rebuking them and saying, Woe to you, you tithe of the mint, but you neglect the weightier matters of the law, such as judgment, mercy, and faith. This is, again, descriptive, not prescriptive. Jesus is rebuking them 
on their tithing of what? Mint. Not dollars, mint. The final time in the Gospels that this word is used is in Luke 18, 12. And it's here where Jesus tells the parable of the two people with two different prayers. You have the tax collector said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then you have the Pharisee that says, I thank you, Lord, that I am not like this person, this tax collector, this sinner. And the Pharisee gives reference to that he gives tithes of all his possessions. You see, Jesus, again, is using the illustration of the Pharisee in a descriptive sense, describing a historical account that the Pharisee is boasting in his tithe. It's not prescriptive, prescribing something for us to do. This Greek word finally is also used in Hebrews 7, 5. And again, all the tithe references in the New Testament in Hebrews, again, all have to do with Abraham and Melchizedek. We've already covered the passage, but realize the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish people and had Abraham as an example of tithing hundreds of years before the Mosaic Law. So really, in actuality, upon studying tithing, or upon studying, you know, the giving of 10% in the New Testament, again, like the Old Testament, we see some things. We see that there's zero references to any Gentile giving a tithe, or any Gentile being obligated or commanded to tithe. The only references to giving of tithes in the New Testament, the only references to the verbal action of doing that, is seen in Jesus' rebuke of the Pharisees and them trying to justify themselves. And the tithes mentioned were of mint possessions, not again of finances or coinage. And finally, all the references of the Pharisees and their tithing reveals that, again, they were still under the Mosaic Law. The Mosaic Law was still in operation until Jesus' death on the cross when he fulfilled the law's requirements and rendered the law inoperative. You know, so looking at all references to tithing in the Old and the New Testament, we looked at six words. Two in the Hebrew, four in the Greek, that were translated as tithe, tithing, a tenth, whatever the case is. And we examine the context and the meaning behind each of the words, the passages. And we notice the aspect of tithing is only seen by a Jewish or a Hebrew person, and the command to tithe was only given to the nation of Israel based upon the Mosaic Covenant. So, where does this leave us? Are we supposed to tithe zero dollars and to not give financially to our local church or to any missions or anything? God forbid. There is no mandate in the New Testament to tithe for a Christian, and all references to the Old Testament are descriptive rather than prescriptive, as well as being binding upon Israel only under the Mosaic Covenant until Jesus fulfilled the law. So while the New Testament doesn't mandate or command a Christian to tithe, the New Testament, God reveals a stronger admonishment to Christians. We're told in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, that it is more blessed to give than receive. That Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, that we are to give as one is purposed in our heart. And in Romans 12, that he that gives, do it with simplicity. You see, in regards to tithing, and rather than simply writing a check for 10%, calling it a day, and checking a block, we're told to continually consider assisting those in needs, supporting the local church, to give as led by the Holy Spirit. As the Gospels detail, the tithe turned into a checkbox marking, and it was motivated by compulsion of obligations seen by the Pharisees rather than a heart motivated by love. 
are giving, whether it's 10% or more or less, is a service and a method of worship that we perform unto Jesus. Rather than simply just checking a box on our 10% tithe, the giving and offering can be and often more likely is much more than 10% of our income, time, or possessions. So is tithing, is it biblical? Yeah. Is it mandated for Christians? No. Tithing was an obligation to the nation of Israel until Jesus fulfilled the law under which it was commanded. If you want to tithe biblically according to the Old Testament, start growing a harvest, raise sheep and oxen, and bring them to your local church. I'm sure your pastor would be quite surprised. So that was the study on tithing. I hope you enjoyed the topic of tithing and what does the Old, what does the New Testament have to say about this weighty subject in that you realize that while God doesn't command tithes and how tithing became a check block to be marked by the Pharisees and there was no heart, there was no motivation, there was no love in it, the New Testament, Jesus articulates that we are to be gracious givers. We are to look upon our neighbor and see if they have need and provide a need. Like James chapter 2, we see someone desperate in need of food or clothing and we just say, I'm going to pray for you, be warm and filled. And we don't help them. God forbid us. God forgive us. I know we've all done that a time or two. But the New Testament teaching on giving or tithing is that we give as we purpose in our heart, as we are led by the Spirit, not grudgingly, but as motivated by love. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, go ahead and leave a note in the comments below. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, otherwise, go ahead. If you're not subscribed and you're not following the podcast ministry, be sure you do. And then always go jump over on the YouTube channel part of the ministry because we have some more content over there for you to check out. So until next time, I thank you for checking in. God bless. Thanks for listening. We pray this ministry glorifies God and edifies you, the listener. For more great content, including videos, blogs, newsletters, and a free ebook, check out our website at c4capologetics.weebly.com. You can also email us at c4capologetics at gmail.com with questions or ideas for future episodes. We truly appreciate you. Please like, share, and comment on this episode, and don't forget to subscribe for future episode notifications. Thanks for checking in, and remember to be bold and keep contending for Christ.